The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Chi-town, you know what it is. Blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. Yeah, Windy City, you know what it is. Blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. Yeah. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Rule of Three podcast, the Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, alongside Brandon Robinson and Danny Meehan. And guys, we are ready for football once again. Whether you're ready or not, frankly, I know I am. And football is right around the corner as the Bears have, oh gosh, they have a Sunday night debut against maybe the most quarterback improved team in football in Matthew Stafford joining the Los Angeles Rams and they get to take on Andy Dalton also new signee to the Chicago bears and the rest of this Chicago team guys, how good does it feel to have football back on the schedule as just tomorrow night, we get to see the Dallas Cowboys take on the bucks. I'm just excited to see any football. I mean, it was, it was a great college football season. I mean, college football weekend kickoff, and and now we get the NFL, we get the Bucks, Super Bowl champs tomorrow, and I, I mean it's it's exciting, but we have to we have to see the Bears on Sunday night, which will be it'll be interesting, but I, I'm just glad to have them back. Danny, how about you? Football excited? I mean, I've got a multitude of reasons to be excited this weekend. We we're we're doing our first live, you know, rule of three. Thing on your channel we got football back tomorrow night you know follow brandon for your player prop bets if that's what you want to do because what's the same from last year b new week same dance we already got deontay <laughs> prop bets my god it's like it never left and this weekend guys i'm actually going to my bachelor party so that'll be awesome gonna be an officially married man here come december so everything is kind of coming up millhouse as it were to quote since did you yeah, make time to watch the, the Bears? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the I'll be home Sunday afternoon. So I'll be home recovering. Lucky man before uh, before the Bears game kicks off. Just in time to watch uh, Aaron Donald make uh, Andy Dalton tomato soup. And hey, you know what? That's where we can get back into it because I think the best thing we can do right now. I thought in April about doing grabbing y'all for like a schedule like let's walk through this and predict it but I I hate doing that mostly because I feel like we never really know who the teams we're going to be playing are frankly until the week you play them but hey it's the week before the season so we're as close as we're going to get we finally know who this team is we know where everything stands we can predict things from here but Obviously, as you guys know, there's one question that kind of rules whether or not like your record prediction more than likely. And that's what you think of Andy Dalton paired with when you think Justin Fields is going to start. So I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't start there. Like, let's go around the horn. We'll start with Danny, then Brandon, then myself. Like, what do you think of the field situation? Do you think Andy Dalton's going to actually hold fields off? Do you think Nagy doesn't care and is going to put fields in when he wants to, regardless of whether or not the bears are succeeding? And do you think fields provides the lift that the bears may need in their wins and loss record to avoid say a five and 12 season, Danny. Yeah, that was a loaded question that you just said. I know it was. For. I just, <laughs> um, so I think the most complicated part is I think I'm more on record on the show than the two of you are is saying, I think the locker room dynamic matters 
a lot more than other people do. You can't tell pros that someone is better when it's clear that they're not. And I do think there is a set, a, a section of bears fans that has said, if fields is QB two versus Foles, it kind of means you think he's ready to play regardless of his knowledge of the offense. Um, do I think Dalton is good enough to quote unquote, hold off fields? No cream rises to the top. Eventually you can't just let this dude sit on the bench and hope for everything. Now we did see our friend Bill Zimmerman tweet out. He spoke to someone who said it could be as late as week 15. God help this fan base. If it's week 15 <laughs> before they one behind center. Um, but that would emulate more so the read thing, right? Where we didn't see Patrick Mahomes as a rookie until that final week. Now, I just got done saying earlier pre-show that everyone saw that Dalton is not is not Alex Smith in any way, shape, or form, other than being a veteran white quarterback. Like, but I could also see a scenario, I guess, where Dalton does enough, where it's like maybe the Bears don't look awful against the Rams. Dalton shows up for his quote-unquote revenge game against the Cincinnati Bungles. And then they go to Cleveland, and maybe they pull an upset. Which You're I really reaching, aren't think... you? I'm, I'm trying I really to not believe that. <laughs> <laughs> the, listener, the podcast listeners can't see it on your face, so I feel like I have to point it out. Right. No, but I, I'm, you, you guys know I'm trying to not be like Mr. Negativity to start the year. Is there a scenario in which it happens? Yeah, because you guys know as well as I do. Weird shit happens in football. Weird stuff. Sorry. It just happens within the game. And every year there's a team that is supposed to suck that is magically good. And every year a team that's magically supposed to be good is finishing third or fourth in their, their division. There's, I think there's a lot of stuff that has to go right. I think personally still that we see Dalton by week four because <laughs> I just don't – or we see Fields by week four because I don't think Dalton at this point is the Dalton of old. Is he, is he better than Nick Foles is and better than Mitch Trubisky is? Yeah, that's like being a really tall midget, I guess. Like, you know, it's just hard to say that's a great measuring stick or a high bar because it's, it's not. Brandon, how are you feeling? I mean, I feel good. I mean, this season, if, if you look at it, how if you look at it, what, how I would say the correct way to look at it, I mean, this season's all about developing Justin Fields. This season isn't about going 10 and 7 and sneaking into the playoffs. This season's about developing Justin. So, as long as that is the plan and they continue to work on that, regardless of the win loss, regardless of the outrage of the fans, like I'm optimistic about the season because at the end of the day, that's, that's what we, that's what we want. We want this team to be prepared for 2023. Now, is that gonna, is Dalton going to somehow pull this team to victories? I mean, I, I, I can't see it at all just because, He's not, he's not the type of guy that elevates teams. And this team is struggling on the offensive line and it's struggling at the cornerback position. I don't understand how they could possibly overcome those obstacles based on the schedule. Um, so they're, I mean, they're in for a tough season. Uh, the, the fan base just has to stay patient. I, I, am, I am fully accepted of a five and 12 season. And I think that's just fine because they finally have a quarterback. Like the, the arrow was pointing up regardless of what the, the record says this year, as long as Justin Fields doesn't have some horrific injury. Like we, the, the thing is he played in the preseason. So we, we got to see what we wanted to see. We got to see his talent level. We, we got to see the upside of Justin Fields. I don't, I don't need to see anything in a real game that will make me believe in him. Like that was the good thing about this coaching staff's plan and the regime as a whole, like they had a set plan and they got him the work in the preseason where he gets to work against vanilla defenses. 
and develop and learn from his mistakes, as Danny said, getting his head taken off. Now, going into the season week one, going again, it doesn't even matter about Aaron Donald. Is he going to somehow learn through his mistakes? Like, he's not going to be able be able to overcome this offensive line. So I think he's better off on the bench. I think that's a good thing. I think this team has a good set plan for him. Everybody just has to stay patient, but that's that's a very hard thing to do. One thing to back you up, Brandon, just before anybody jumps down your throat saying, how could you? How could you say this is a good thing? At least the Bears are executing a plan as of yet, that they have set benchmarks in their head for when they want to play fields that aren't just, hey, Justin, try to save my job. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much I do and don't trust this staff at this point because those games with Foles were miserable. Like, I had to actually go back and rewatch them. I put that off till, like, July. That was – that hurt going back and rewatching some of those because that was some of the most hopeless offensive football I've seen since the John Fox 2017 season where our – if memory serves, our A1 receiver by week 11 was Dontrell Inman who I think fell out of the league a couple years later, but I digress when it comes to the Dalton and uh, the Dalton Fields situation. I think you said it pretty well that I think fields looks good. I mean, at this point, there's nothing that fields showed us in the preseason that has me legitimately worried about his NFL future. But if I was to separate fields readiness from the bears readiness to house fields properly, I might actually agree with the decision too. The way that I think about it is I I've tried to go through different quarterbacks that I thought of on whether they played early or not. Right. I thought about what happened when Derek Carr got hurt, that he went from this brave quarterback in the pocket that was slinging the ball all over the place to kind of a mouse that checked the ball down at any sign of pressure. Like one hit can do a lot for you. On the other hand, you've got Deshaun Watson, who obviously looked incredible uh, after two really rough games against the Saxonville Jaguars and a tough Jets defense. He bounced back to throw like 19 touchdowns in five games. Like it was insane. Then he got hurt. But one guy I'll throw out to y'all that I just comes to mind, right, is Kyler Murray, right? We don't talk about this a lot. Because Kyler Murray is mobile. He's so much fun to watch on film. He truly has every tool. But I'll throw this at you, Brandon. I do feel like the Arizona Cardinals have underinvested in offensive line since the moment Murray was quarterback. And now when you watch Murray's play style, he expects to have no protection whatsoever. And I think that that hurries his reads and creates a lot of his interception issues because he's not watching the defense maybe as carefully as he could due to the protection problems. And when I watch Justin Fields in the preseason, I keep finding myself seeing him wanting to trust that offensive line. And I don't want him to lean away from that. I don't want him to get hit by Aaron Donald and learn that he can't trust his center and interior offensive line. I don't want him to get like crushed by gosh, miles Garrett in week three and a litany of other pass rushers and learn that that protection is never going to be there because sure. It works for Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. It could work for fields in the future, but that drop back deep passing game is the heart and soul of a lot of deep strike offenses. And I don't want that to, go away from does that make sense like when you think of the kyla situation do you think that environment led to the the downs that we see from kyler's game or do you think that those were always going to be there no i I, the bad habits that he's forming are from the situation that he's in and that is the number one issue i have with justin fields playing it's not that he's going to get hurt because injuries just happen he could get injured on the way to the on the way to the practice field but creating bad habits, he's, that's not going to happen while he's sitting on the bench learning from Andy Dalton. But when he has to escape the pocket every other play because Jermaine Effetti can't block and Jason Peters gets hurt week two and now they're starting a fifth-round rookie, like those are the situations that, you're, that you should worry about because you don't want him bailing from the pocket because the good thing about Justin Fields is he can scramble and he can make defenders miss and get outside the pocket. But at the end of the day, he's a pocket quarterback. Like he's the most accurate pocket quarterback in this draft. And you want that to continue. You don't want him to to turn into a quarterback that's scrambling every other play because that's not who he is as a player. What do you think, Danny? 
do you think that I, I know you kind of touched on this, but that mm-hmm. maybe there is some positivity towards the Bears taking taking some time at least to figure out what they're doing on the offensive front than uh, like in, as opposed to just throwing fields in, probably upgrading their offense, but potentially costing those bad habits. How worried are you about that? Well, I mean, I think I've been pretty adamant on here before about seeing ghosts. Like when, when the idea of Darnold came up earlier in the season, seeing ghosts is one thing I think quarterbacks have the hardest thing to over to like bounce back from. Can it be done? Yeah. You brought him up earlier. Derek Carr came back from seeing ghosts after he broke that like leg prior to the playoffs. though. It took but like that took three, three years. years. Right. These dudes don't just magically forget how to feel pressure and stuff like that. They feel stuff that's not there because they were getting their their head torn apart. You know, it's am I worried that it's being formed specifically with him? No, I'm not, but that's a character judgment. He may start getting popped and all of a sudden have no idea how to handle that because he's never really been hit that consistently in his career because he's always been the fastest and best athlete on the field or he's always been protected. Make no mistake, he he wasn't really under duress a whole lot at Ohio State. Like he had times where he took big hits and he had to come back from them, which is why it was funny he made like the joke after he took that shot that popped his helmet off. Like, oh, I've taken worse hits before. I believe he was alluding to the Clemson game, right, where he bruised his ribs or whatever. He alluded to it directly after that first preseason game, too, where he was mm -hmm. like, I got to retire the spin move. So he's taken, like you're saying, he's taken his fair share of hits. Right. So am I worried about him specifically developing bad habits? No, not really. But you can kind of avoid it by doing the sitting thing. And, I mean, I know you and I have talked off the air and offline or however you want to term it Robert about the idea of the it say he say week four is the magic number we've all had in in, in mind because of Detroit if you can have him avoid those three like big bad teams to start the year or not big bad teams in terms of Cincinnati but like if you can have him avoid the the, the Browns and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and all of a sudden you line them up against his you know, Bears legend Doug Buffon co- to- turned him tomato cans with teams like Detroit and Oakland back to back to make him realize it's okay. You can do this. Like, and kind of ease him in. Does every NFL team have bad men? Yeah. The Raiders have guys like Max Crosby, for instance, just as a, as a name to throw out there, but it's a lot better than Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett coming down and breathing down your neck every other play. I, I, like I said, I I'm really torn on him because I can see both sides of the argument and it's really weird for me to be that kind of in the middle, but I do agree with what Brandon is saying that they are taking the right approach. The hard part for us as fans, armchair analysts, whatever it might be is the benchmarks aren't tangible. We're not in Hallis hall. We're not seeing the benchmarks being met because we we aren't there. We can't physically see anything that's being done when he's being told, yeah, you're meeting these certain things. Does that make sense? Yep. I mean, it's the whole, what, like we, we watched Kendall Vildor a little bit last season. People go, he's a great tackler. What a, like, what a great player. And then you watch him a little bit more in the preseason. You go up, oh, not a good player anymore. And like, all we can do is react to the film that we watch. Right. And sometimes I feel like we can forget that when we say the bears need to play fields so that we can see what he like we the bears need to see fields to see what he's got. Sometimes I feel like they're housing the fact that they're, they, the coaches know coaches see him in practice coaches talk to him in the meeting rooms, that whole, see what he's got thing. That's for us, the fans. And Hey, there are sometimes like the Jeremy Langford thing that I think most fans can look and go that that's not, Jeremy Langford's probably not really it. Um, But, you know, there are plenty of times where the coaches do like they know what they're seeing and they have to go from there. It's just a matter of trusting the staff. I think you guys would agree with me, whether you're up or down on Nagy, trusting this staff right now, like that word trust is a hard one because Nagy's given us nothing in pressers to make us feel better, especially with how the 2019 and 2020 seasons have gone. But hey, truth be told, it's not going to get better without 
winning games. Speaking of winning games, before we talk whole season, are there any bright side bright siders in this room about the week one game? Like, don't even you don't even have to say the Bears are going to win. Do you think that it's going to be the pasting that it has been billed to be? Or do you think that the Bears may show that, you know, there's something to any given Sunday, maybe lose a little closer? I don't know where y'all's heads at, because I know where I'm thinking, but I'll go last. I think the Rams are a really good football team. Um, I think that, I mean, <laughs> that, can't be, that can't be understated, honestly. Like they're, they're Man, just, that, that was a hot take right there. They're, the Rams they're, are good at they're football, a really guys. good football team. The Bears are not a very good football team. Um, if I was to say that they would somehow win the game or keep it close, like I would be pulling something out of my, you know what? Like <laughs> because the, the thing is, arse. the the, Ram, the Rams have a very a very good receiving core. They have an upgraded quarterback. They have a good offensive line. I think Daryl Henderson is a lot better of a running back than a lot of other people think. They had a lot of depth last year that will be filling in on defense so I really I really don't think that the their roster is too much far down from where it was last year because I think I think Matt Stafford makes up for a whole lot of that because I don't think Jared Goff is good at all I I think the Lions will be a very very bad football team and you're gonna see a the big difference between the quarterbacks this season and I think the Bears are in trouble, but I think that's that's fine. Hey, Brandon, that's the point, though, because you hit at something that I think has been really key, that everybody's focusing on the Matt Stafford acquisition and the good that comes from it and forgetting that the Rams did lose a good bit here and there that Stafford's going to have to make up for. For instance... I don't think this is going to be a good day for the Bears defense, mostly because of their like mostly because of their back end. Right. Mostly because of Travis Gibson and the rest that are going or like Travis Gibson and not Travis. Oh, my word. So sorry. I had a pop up that I've got to dismiss. Tashaun. Cut that out in post. Yeah. Tashawn Gibson and Kendall Vildor and uh, everybody Shelly. that comes from there. Like the DB setup with Duke Shelley, maybe Marquis Christensen starting is nasty. And if the Rams are smart, they will exploit that. And Sean decides going to have to put on a master class to get away from it. That said, I can't help but find myself thinking, guys, that the Bears shouldn't be able to run the ball. Their offensive line is, is not helpful. Like, that's not going to do much. But the Rams did lose John Johnson and Troy Hill, which are and Duke Staley. So I don't know what this is going to look like under a new defensive coordinator, but I can't help but think that the Bears may have a chance here to look somewhat competent as far as a throwing team if they can properly use things like play action with run blocking fronts to establish pockets for Andy Dalton, who's a little bit quicker than Nick Foles and might be able to live back there. I'm again, a little bit better than somebody who doesn't move almost at all. And if he's able to be even somewhat accurate in the areas that may hurt the Rams who have a slightly weaker inside linebacking core than others, then that could be a real positive, but it's, we're really talking moral victories. I mean, I think we're all on the same page there because it would take something similar to the bears miracle victory over Tampa Bay for them to beat the Rams in Los Angeles. It would take that voodoo magic that they've seemed to cast on Jared Goff over the last three times they've played the guy where they continue to have maybe their worst game of the season against Chicago. I mean, let's not forget we're what a year removed from the Rams basically trying to lose and just not managing to do it against the bears, but we'll see. We'll see what happens because I guess I find myself thinking that Andy, there may be some truth to the idea that Andy Dalton offers a more of a QB upgrade than I think is being noted because Nick Foles was just so, so inaccurate. Like I did a lot of apologizing for Nick Foles that as I go back and watch that tape, I had no business doing because I kept thinking next week was the week that he would finally throw accurately. He'd thrown accurately throughout the rest of his career and it just never showed up. Like from, from what is it? That first week against the week four game that escapes me all the way through week 10's game against the Vikings and Dalton's not that inaccurate. So we'll have to see what happens. Danny, how are you feeling? Any rays of hope? I mean, the ray of hope is that like, if, if you're talking like in terms of winning that your front seven dominates, 
that that's where it comes from. The, the, the secondary might be legitimately, we were talking about the offensive line, it might be the worst secondary in football. Like, it's not hyperbole. The, the outside corner they signed back in Artie Burns following the 53-man cutdown legitimately has an argument as the second-best outside corner roster behind Jalen Johnson. Does it mean he's worth more of a look than Kendall Valdor? No. No, it does not mean that. It means he has an argument of being the second most talented on this roster, just given pedigree, first-round pick status, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing goes for Marquis Christian, being the nickelback or the nickel safety, however you want to term him. Term it, rather. And they, those guys are both cut and brought back after the fact so they could get people put on practice squad and, and so on and so forth. Like, Cooper Cup is going to have his way. Robert Woods is going to have his way because the way the Bears' defense is designed, Brandon will tell you, Jalen Johnson isn't going to be following people around. They're going to be on one side for the most part, at least from what I can gather. Like, I think Robert Woods is going to be going up against Jalen Johnson every play, or is he just going to go to the other side and say, oh, hey, Artie, hey, Kendall, I'm just going to hang out over here all game, have a good time. Same thing, Cooper Cup's not an outside player. He's going to be on Duke Shelley and Marquis Christian. Like, th- your hope is going to be that Akeem Hicks and – Roquan. I would – Roquan. Your, your hope is that you're, you're, a weird – Roquan is covering Cup. Your, yeah. your hope is that a weird too high setup and Desai work together to create very limited responsibilities for Duke Shelley and so on and so forth. Even though, as we know, a defender that can't play zones well might as well not exist. So Duke Shelley does have to bring at least his A game to, to take away something of the Rams or else the Rams are going to be attacking the Bears ver- the issue with, with an extra relying man. on Shelley is Shelley doesn't belong on his team. I think he's a draft status the fact that he was a pick and not a guy who was a udfa he robert you watched it too he was awful in the preseason oh i know for trouble like, is christensen wasn't and, any better and and, and he, marginally but marginally is better than whatever duke shelley was brandon's trying hard not to like grimace <laughs> at just the like, <laughs> But then, then here's what I'll bring up to you, Robert. Like, you brought up the, the quick passing game and quick hitters. Like, that, that's great. Who, who's the receiving core? Oh, for the Bears? Besides, like, really, outside of the top two, who do you care about? Well, it's funny because PFF did, like, a data study at one point, and they basically showed that the strength in an offense comes down to, first off, how good is the one receiver? But then immediately, like what separates a decent offense from a good offense is how good it's the second receiver. And you really only need the third guy come playoff season. And I don't think the Bears are built to be a successful playoff team. Maybe they could surprise us. But all right. Well, how good how good is Darnell Mooney? Do we know? Question, isn't it? He he had about as good rookie season as I think he could have. For a fifth round rookie from Tulane, he was an an aberration. He was awesome. He had 600 yards receiving. And he had like 150 yards on the field missed. Just to give him the same credit we gave Anthony Miller for years. Right. Right. That And that's – Anthony Miller makes me feel bad because I loved him. But <laughs> – and now I'm going to cry because that was – him and Robert Quinn were my actor every week. Like if they just show up. <laughs> Please. I, I feel you. I – I feel like, like it's just one of those things. I think we're putting way too much hope into a second year, fifth round receiver the way like, it's just way too much pressure for what he is like. And then the argument then comes in of the guy they just picked up off the street and Rashad Perriman could be their third best receiver right now, just based off his last two seasons. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe I really don't know. Like, that's, I think, the key here is if you go in, it sounds silly, right? If you go into Sunday night with low expectations, you may find yourself enjoying the football game more than there you are. Like, I, I mean, that's the key here, right? I, you, you keep saying, Danny, you, you, you use phrase like, I think we're putting a little bit too much expectation on, uh, on a six-round draft pick in Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor. I'm not expecting much from them at all. Honestly, like I want to see the team's defense look decent, but like maybe decent from a schematic standpoint. And I want to see the offense have some life. And outside of that, take the L, move on to Cincinnati, see what you can do at home. 
I mean, you got to have proper expectations to really enjoy a football game, right? Like you can't go in there thinking, Oh, uh, I, know. I know what my, I know what my expectation is. I'm saying when you go on the Twitter timeline of people who legitimately think this, this line is good or these receivers are great or that the secondary is going to be just fine because Jalen Johnson showed some stuff last year when you're looking at a piece, not the sum of the whole of the wholeness. Right. I'm fully expecting them to go there and Robert Woods to get 200 yards wide receive 200 yards receiving. No one can cover him. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the Bears figure something out. Obviously, but, I'm being hyperbolic, but well, Robert well, Woods is about. You know, I watched all Sean Jeffrey do it enough, like the 200 yard receiving games that I've just, that's not even hyperbole anymore. If somebody really goes out there and dominates, it's possible. But either way, we digress. I think that we've hit the point where we we have a good feeling about what we know what's going to happen on Sunday night. But now it's time to talk after the break about what we're going to do uh, throughout the rest of this season. What does a Dalton led team do from a wins and losses standpoint? Where does Fields come in? What does that mean for the team? What is the defense likely to do through this season? We've hinted at it. Let's talk about it on the flip side. We'll be right back. Hey, it's me, Robert Schmitz. And as the Bears season gets started, I wanted to tell you about a brand new way to play daily fantasy called Thrive that we've partnered with. Imagine a daily fantasy game centered entirely around player props rather than standard fantasy keepers and sleepers. Instead of having to hunt for that third string receiver you just know is going to score three touchdowns this week, Thrive gives you 20 player props to choose from and asks you a simple question. Is Allen Robinson going to haul in over 65 yards this week or under? Choose your 10 props, rack up the most points, and win a share of the prize pool. That's your chance to win a piece of $100,000 for NFL Week 1 in their featured $20 entry contest with twenty grand to first place. And the best part? When you sign up today and use promo code SCHMITZ, that's S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, Thrive will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks to double your money. So don't sleep on this. Download Thrive Fantasy today on the App Store or Google Play Store or visit www.thrivefantasy.com and sign up today. Happy propping and go Bears! Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with the Rule of Three podcast. I'm Robert Schmitz talking to Danny Meehan and Brandon Robinson as now we get into the predictive phase of this podcast. Guys, let's keep it really simple. Let's say Andy Dalton starts until you get to decide he doesn't. What do you think the Bears record is going to be with Dalton, with Fields, and overall? Danny, we'll start with you. Oh, tough question because I'm not one much for predictions i do it for the funness of it i guess would be the term fun of it we like funness we like funness Funness. we'll go with funness or or devin bunches oh didn't he just get cut that seems like it's got (laughs) bad juju around it oh god (laughs) um but i'm gonna stick with we're gonna see the sea fields week four and probably one and two you'll win the dalton revenge game and you're probably gonna get it with with him but the the with Fields question is hard because as I've said at nauseam on this podcast on my timeline and group chats with friends, text messages, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it might be, Justin Herbert had the literal best rookie season a quarterback's ever had, and they won six games. 
So is the benchmark say he comes even remotely close in the last call it 13 games is five and eight fair is four and 12 re or is four and 13 or five or four and uh four and 13 so was four all 17 nine, games four and, four and nine so four and nine and his starts is that realistic like but it doesn't matter if they only win five, six, seven games. If Fields shows that he's the guy, just like it didn't matter that they the Chargers only won six games because Justin Herbert was awesome. Like it, that's what it comes down to, and that's where I can see the frustration point from the fan base. So just play him right away, see, see what he's got, let him learn. But again, we're, that's back to the gray area of I see both sides of the argument. But <laughs> I'll, I'll say. Week four, one and one and two going into the game. They win the next two, so that puts them at what three and two. Set finishing out seven and nine, or seven and seven and ten, something like that. That's not so bad. If anything, that might be a decent season according to the way things have been projected. Yeah, by I some. mean that's me trying to be optimistic, but that's also including health. We're not, we haven't even touched on the fact that Eddie Goldman's already probably not playing week one after looking like a monster in the, the preseason. Oh boy. I, I feel like the hardest part about all this projection, right? Believe it or not, it's not the offense that I'm worried about. It's that I can't figure out how to project this defense. The only thing we've seen from this defense is that their D line is deep. It's deep and it's good. If Robert Quinn it doesn't play well, whatever. You could put Travis Gibson in and expect a little bit of juice from him, Akeem Hicks, a dominant Eddie Goldman. I mean, hopefully he plays because he looked great in the preseason. And a whole bunch of other defensive linemen that are going to come in. Kyrus Tonga looked solid, like so on and so forth. But then, like, what the heck do we do with the secondary? Well, the bright side, as I'm sure Brandy could chime in, is that the secondary looks like it's running a modern scheme. They're running two high safeties. They're rotating in and out of cover two, cover three, cover four. Like, they're not giving away what it is they're doing. And hey, if you, I remember, what, two years ago, we all used to talk about how Eddie Goldman was going to be that guy. Not Eddie Goldman. I am so sorry. Eddie Jackson. That guy in the secondary. The defenses were just looking away from him. Well, I think you guys will agree. Roquan Smith, the one defender that we haven't seen at all this preseason, is going to be that guy if he can stay healthy in the middle of the field, where I don't think defenses want to throw anywhere near him. And so that gives Sean Desai a couple of things to play with, right? The question is whether that's going to be enough. The question is whether Jalen Johnson is enough at CB1 against Robert Woods, let alone Mike Evans and Brandon Ayuk and Devontae Adams and the litany of other guys he's going to have to play really that are really, really good players. Is Kendall Vildor going to ha- hold up his end of the bargain? If the Bears play out of base, is Alec Ogletree going to be enough? Danny Trevathan, Duke Shelley, there are enough problems on this Bears team that the trouble for me, for instance, Brandon, isn't asking myself okay so can the bears score 27 points against the lions with dalton it's how many points can vegas score against this bears defense and are the bears offense going to be able to score more than that when it comes to the wins and loss records it's the defense that i really can't foresee because as i'm sure you guys know a good defensive line and a bad secondary means the occasional three and out with a sack a stuffed run and like an eight yard pass and then a 70 yard pass like the next drive that ends up in the end zone so i don't really know but if i had to just stake it where do i think this record's gonna land i think andy dalton's going to create a lot of moral victories and then also a whole lot of losses. I think they'll look better than things did with Foles, but I don't know, for instance, if the Bears are truly good enough to be a locked-in win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I'm pretty down on the Bengals, so I think that the Bears will win that game, but it's mostly because I'm low on them, not because I think that this Bears team is great, and I'm hoping that we can see something from the wide receivers, sure, but as I look through a schedule that's got Baltimore on it, it's got San Fran on it, it's got Tampa Bay on it, it's got Green Bay on it twice, it's got a bad Giants team. They could surely win that game. You play the Lions twice. You could probably get those two. I keep coming back to the same thing. Brandon, I'll kick it to you on this. I feel like it all comes down to the Vikings games 
probably. Because the way fate likes to toy with us, the Bears have two games against a Vikings team that are, I would say, is probably in a similarly disappointing position as the Bears, for different reasons, of course. And if the Bears lose both of those games, this could be a 5-12 and 12 season in a hurry, maybe. But I also think there's a chance that the Bears could win both of those games. And if they're the kind of team that wins both of those, maybe they squeeze out that 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight and wildcard spot. I don't know. Where's your head at? Uh, not, not very close to that. Um, I think the floor is probably 4-13. and 13. I think the ceiling is probably... Seven and ten, honestly. Um, I think this is a five and twelve team. Um, I, I think they're gonna hold off on Justin Fields as long as possible. But I just how I see this playing out the early part of the season, I just don't see that lasting because the fan base once this team ends up zero and three, and yeah, I think they'll go zero and three. That includes losing to the Bengals. I think this fan base will go wild and they'll be calling for Matt Nagy's head and. That's when Justin Fields will will take the field against the the Lions, and they'll they'll probably win that game. But I mean, just looking at this schedule, I mean, they have a gauntlet of games. In the middle of their schedule, they play Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the 49ers, the Steelers, and the Ravens, all in a row. And then the end of the season, you got the Cardinals, you got the Packers, you got the Vikings, who should be improved. You got the Seahawks, you got the Giants. I I don't think the Giants are that bad just because I think their defense is going to continuously be good because, I mean, their, their defense is really stacked and no one ever talks about that. Um, and then they got the Vikings to finish off the season. I, I just I don't see many gimmies on this schedule. Uh, so it, it's, it's really hard to find wins, to be honest with you. And see, it's funny, Brandon, because what I'm hearing as you're saying that is a real lack of confidence in the defense specifically. I mean, am I picking that up correctly? Uh, it, it depends how you want how you want to look at it. I like I'm I'm very optimistic on Jalen Johnson, on Eddie Jackson, on Roquan Smith. The the D line is is nasty. I mean, you didn't even mention Blau Nichols, Mario Edwards, There's tons Angelo of Blackson, and Blackson was good in the preseason. Like their their D line is Blackson's very, a player. Very I agree deep. with that. I think Blackson's a player. Yeah, he, he he really he really gets off the line consistently. Yeah. Uh it, it it's it's gonna depend on how teams game plan against this defense. Because if they were smart, they would get in a lot of empty situations where they could spread out this defense, expect zone, and then just attack attack Vildor, attack Shelley, attack Gibson. Because there's, there's going to be a lot of holes in this defense. And it doesn't matter how good Eddie Jackson, Roquan, and Jalen are. I mean, they can't, they can't cover the entire field. And the thing is about this pass rush is Khalil Mack has I, – I believe he started trending downwards as far as pressure on the quarterback uh, goes. And they don't really have a, like, dynamic second pass rusher. So they have a bunch of guys that can – Rush the passer like a little bit, but they don't have another dynamic pass rusher. So I think they, in certain situations, like an empty against the Bengals, I think they'll struggle in those situations. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of tend to agree with B, and I think um, kind of what Brandon's getting at is the same thing that I worried about when we had expectations, like legitimate expectations after the first Nagy at the helm. And I uh, I don't know if the offense is going to be able to sustain drives at a certain point. If your defense is on the field for 28, 32, 34, 40, 40 plus minutes, no matter how good that front seven is, you're going to lose something off your fastball, you know? So Khalil Mack might have a game of two, three, four sacks, but if he's on the field for nine snaps, who cares? Like it, it, it's such a hard dynamic to, explain and everyone like tends to want to blame the defense like oh well it's their fault they let up x amount of points well the offense had the ball 17 minutes you don't win not having the ball so the defense is definitely trending downward especially when you factor in corners are becoming more and more important interior pass rushes are becoming more important and the bears are deficient in 
both of those. Those are two of the three most important positions, outside corner and interior pass rusher. Who's the interior pass rusher for the Bears? Akeem Hicks, who is on the wrong side of 30, then hurt, and apparently has an issue that we don't know about with the, with something, whether it be contract-related or whatever it be might be. Like I, I just don't know how much we can expect of them when we really don't know what the expectation. What's the benchmark for the offense? What is our what? What's a realistic expectation for points for per game? Robert, do you have an answer? B, do you? Because I, I don't. Seventeen per game. Seventeen. That's that's where I was at. I was like two two touchdowns and a field goal. I that's- can't help but feel like points per game right now is a terrible measurement because I don't see this Bears offense being consistent. Right against like say the Lions or the Raiders, I think they may do similarly to last year. I mean, let's remember this Bears offense was so bizarre last year because when they finally played like truly bad defenses, they roasted them like roasted them and roasted them again. So it may average out to like. 20 and a half, 21 points. But like you're saying, against when they, good when defenses, they play a defense, okay, Robert, let me rephrase it. When they play a defense that's not a bunch of, or a right. team that's not a bunch of bums, what are the, what do you realistically expect with Andy Dalton at the helm? Because it sounds like, despite what I might think, it sounds like they plan to keep Dalton at the helm as long as they can. I think against, say, the Rams, I mean, God forbid the Browns. Like the Browns, the Bears probably score like 10 points. I want to say 10, maybe 13, but the Rams, they would need to hit a bunch of deep strikes to approach 24. Uh, But yeah, I mean, my head's at 17 too, like as far as this weekend. Right. And and like I said, it's, it's not trying to like just shut it down, but you're trying to put a realistic thought process into it. And we saw the Dalton led offense against ones with their ones and they didn't really do much. Well, to be totally fair to that, like, because there is, there are a lot of reasons to be negative. That off, or that specifically, I remember the Bears, uh, they iced two of their five starting offensive linemen, which is not going to help anything, but I digress. The point is, I think Brandon said this really well in the chat just a little while ago. There are a lot of reasons to be down on this team's record, but I still find myself thinking that at the end of the day, if the 2021 and Brandon, by the way, mute your microphone, we can hear that like little scrape here and there. Uh, no worries though. That if the 2021 bears in week 15 were up against the 2020 bears, I think they'd win. Like, I think that there's a decent chance that this year's team is better than last year's team. I think that the trouble is the teams on their schedule are absolute nightmares. So really, when it comes to the record prediction, I honest to goodness think that the most positive thing that I could say that you guys might actually agree on is that really, it like, if the chalk plays out, like if the Ravens look like the Ravens and the 49ers look like the 49ers and Tom Brady remains totally ageless and the Green Bay thing doesn't implode, etc., 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 yeah, the Bears probably win six games, right? Maybe maybe seven, like if they really catch something good. But if things were – I know it sounds so positive, right? If things work out for the Bears, well, you really don't know who's on your schedule until you get there. So I feel like the Bears for this year's record are more betting on regression than anything else. Is that – like from other teams. Would you all agree with that? Yeah. I mean – Maybe not betting on thinking. hoping for. <laughs> Yeah, you you would be essentially throwing up the hail mary, as it were, that Aaron Rodgers gets fed up, Tom Brady, which what is he going to be forty four this year, right? Forty three, forty four, something like that. Like he's forty four this he, year, ageless wonder. Yeah, so so, but that could fall off a cliff at any point. Like I said that last year too. Like he's the one dude I think that defies age at this to this point, but. I mean, it's also betting on luck, which right off the ball here, a turnover from Eddie Jackson going to the house there, like, and all of a sudden you you do have something with with end game momentum and whatnot, and you know it's you're always good for what you're always good for one game. It feels like of one random player doing something you don't expect them to do, and it turns it gives you something that you didn't have before within the game itself. But on the surface, it's, it's a, it's a tough look for this schedule. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, I think we knew that. Is, is that silly to say? Like, I think we knew that since the schedule came out and we didn't even have the specific lineup of it. I think Brandon said it well. At the end of the day, the arrow is up because the Bears found a quarterback out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. There was a real world, guys, where we were going to watch Andy Dalton lead the embers that were the 2018 Bears against this schedule, and that was it. Like, we would be looking at Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler and talking about 2022 quarterbacks because the Bears might be carrying, like, a uh, like a top-five pick all the way to term but we aren't instead we got fields i think that's that's really great like there it that i think is the duality right of this where it's like it's a great time to be a bears fan it's also a hard time because it's gonna be a little bit i remember we said this what back in like draft day that like this would have been a season that if you could have gone into madden and just simmed it and gotten to 2022 i think we all probably would right like that this is one of those where you go oh great I actually have to live that year of my life. Uh, but we, <laughs> like when you when you look forward at the rest of this season, if the record isn't what you're excited about, we'll start with Brandon, then go to Danny. What are you watching for? What do you want to see if not fields and not wins? Not that you don't want to see wins, but that you don't expect to see wins. I would probably say the, the rest of the young guys. I, I'm a lot more optimistic about Darnell Mooney. Uh, I'm expecting another step from him. It, it, it seems like he has it all. As far as as far as route running, as far as speed goes, I, I think he has pretty much everything except for size. I think he could truly, truly take a massive step this year. Um, we're we're not necessarily going to see it as far as production goes because I think he don't isn't necessarily going to be able to highlight his his best talents the way Justin Fields will eventually be able to do that. Uh, I think Jalen Johnson's going to have a big season. I think this de- defensive line is a lot younger than what people think. Trevor Gibson's pretty young. Mario Edwards is pretty young. Angelo Blackson is pretty young. Like you're going to, you're going to be able to Blau Nichols is pretty young. We'll see if they extend him. Uh, I, I think if, as long as we focus on the young guys, like, this season is going to be good, but you have to look at it for what it is. I completely agree with B's point of view, and I want to make it make it clear, just because I don't want my Darnell Mooney thoughts to be taken out of context. I think Darnell could be could be and should be very very good, but it's like I've got fatigue of seeing the damn route against Jalen Ramsey, where everyone's like <laughs> he burned Jalen Ramsey, and it's like that's literally not what happened, but. Let you have it. It's fine. Um, I think he's going to be very good, and I fully agree with what you said, Brandon. That his talents are more uh, pronounced, as it were, when he gets Justin Fields, not Andy Dalton. Especially because Andy Dalton' worst quirk isn't that he doesn't throw deep very well. It's that it kind of got the thing I always made fun of Mitch for it's why AJ Green put up such great numbers it's when in doubt where's where's your number one where's he at A-Rob is going to get fed the ball regardless that's what's just going to happen but other things I guess worth looking for are whenever Justin Fields gets in because I'm so critical of his feel as a play caller I think he's got I think Matt Nagy does great job in play design and understanding leverages of defense and how to take advantage of scheming and getting guys open. When you get that quarterback, it's one thing to have be a great play designer and great offensive mind is a whole other thing to understand how to call a game. And I think he sucks at it, frankly. Um, If Matt Nagy, since he's got the reins back, whenever he gets his new toy in there, how he develops as a play caller, if he develops as a play caller. Um, I'm interested to see how they deploy the running backs, actually, because they have a really interesting running back room, in my view, between Damian Williams, Khalil Herbert, and David Montgomery, and Cohen, whatever he sees if he... Um, but other than that, it's like outside of player development, the running back room, and maybe understanding who they're going to extend next, whether it be Roquan or Bilal Nichols or whoever. It it really is just kind of 
a year of watch the kids. Maybe you, maybe Kindle Veldor stocks us all. I know I'm on the same page as Brandon with that. I think Veldor's a nickel. I don't think he's an outside corner. I, I, I've watched him enough. I've between college and last year, where I just don't think he is an outside guy. And that's okay. Nickels are starters at this point in age, at this point in time, in this day and age. So there, there's plenty to watch for. I just don't think the regime sees themselves as a team in development. They, they're trying to win, I think, which very well may expedite fields coming in. I feel like the most complicated part about just the regime versus what I know I'm watching is exactly what you just said, Danny. This isn't a new regime. This is a regime that knows that they've got to push, put at least some kind of result out there. I don't think, as safe as Nagy and Pace's job might be, as long as they maintain just a decent standard, a.k.a. like don't embarrass themselves, I think that the record may end up closer to that than they want. Like I really do think that Nagy thinks that he can make this team a nine and eight team, a ten and or a ten and seven team, but we'll see. I mean, hey, look, he would be proving us wrong to some degree because he's had two years to do that now and hasn't. What I'm looking for, honestly, guys, it like sure, there's the kids. Like I want to see something from Kindle Vildor. I would love to see Borum get into the game. Like. 10 weeks from now, maybe like just why not throw him in there? Jason Peters probably isn't going to make it through the whole season anyways. But when I look at this, like what I really want to see is healthy offensive scheme. I don't expect much from the running game. So maybe this is too much to ask for anyways, but I want to see a passing game that looks like it's got some kind of direction. I want to see motion. I want to see formation shifts. I want to see the stuff that analytics are confirming helps your quarterbacks out. And we saw a lot of that, believe it or not, the, Bears used motion like 40% of the time, like motion or a shift in the preseason. And that's not to say it helped out a ton. I mean, certainly they drew two more in or like, uh, what are they called? Illegal formation penalties, which has just been consistent. But at least it seems like the fabric of their scheme seems a little better laid than it has been in the past. Certainly it's not that same play action rollout with the tight end coming across and the receiver coming over the middle, like over and over again. But I want to see that whatever that looks like. And we'll see, like, obviously I hope it works. Sure. I don't really care at this point, whether Matt Nagy or Bill Lazor calls plays. Like I just want to see the bears succeed on offense. And I want to see them do that through some kind of better scheme and obviously young players developing, but really, truly the record means next to nothing to me. This team needs to compete in 2022, if not 2023 and beyond. But this season is about Justin Fields. It's about building an offense around Justin Fields. And it's about young players developing, if you ask me. I mean, as far as final thoughts go, Brandon, when it comes to the season's about to start, if you had like a final thought, what are you thinking? I would say, I, if you're a fan listening to this podcast, just try to have patience. Have patience with the coaching staff, this full regime. Have patience with this offensive line. Have patience with Andy Dalton because it's going to be a long season. you got to look at the bright spots of, of this team. I think it was a great point when you talk about offensive scheme. What a lot of people don't talk about is that Nagy put in an entire, entirely new scheme last year in a COVID offseason, and – it, it 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 was a little bit wonky because a lot of a lot of what they were running was very very basic and the thing is when they switched to foals right at the beginning of the season they had to completely just throw that stuff in the garbage because he was unable to run it he can't run the the wide zone play action boot offense because he's he's not fast he's not mobile enough but the thing is with, that's why they brought in Andy Dalton is because while he's not great he's mobile enough to run that scheme. So you're going to see that scheme no matter if Andy Dalton's in the game or Justin Fields because you saw that the same thing in preseason. That's exactly what you saw. You saw both of them running the same exact scheme. So like you're saying, as long as they continue to develop that scheme, I, I think that's a positive going into next year. What about you, uh, Danny? Final thoughts um, as the season kicks off. Final thoughts? I mean, take the season for what it is. Don't don't really let the Bears ruin your Sundays anymore because you kind of know what this season should be. 
why I watched the whole league and have since I was about 14 because I got tired of letting them ruin my Sundays. Um, it, you know, I, I agree with what B said to an extent where it was a completely different offense. I also don't believe that's the offense he wants to run. That's just my belief. I think he wants to be – there's a reason Andy Reid wants to – or Andy Reid has said time and time again that Matt Nagy's his best coaching protege because he's little Andy Reid. I think he's going to probably eventually come back to that that offense he was trying to run week one in year two that he in the second year he had Trubisky. At some point, it might not be right away, but we'll see. Only time will tell, obviously. But enjoy the year. Watch for the development. Don't get your expectations too high. Don't go into Sunday thinking that, oh, they're going to shock the world and start fields and this, that, the other. If it happens, it happens. But football's back. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Maybe if you if you think you can control yourself, enjoy some FanDuel or DraftKings, whatever. Bet some props. Or Thrive Fantasy. Yeah. Thrive Fantasy. Thrive. T-H-R-I-V-E. Thrive Fantasy. WCG's got a promotion with them. You can use promo code Schmitz to match uh like your match your first deposit. It's in there. See, this is what our this is what our host does to us, guys. He doesn't let us in on things. He just he, he narrates he leads us and guides us to water and says drink, but doesn't tell us what's in the water. It's great. Um But yeah, I mean I'm excited, man. It, like you guys, football is my favorite sport. I grew up playing it. I coached it. I armchair analyze it like the two of you guys do. It's it's fun, and it's great that it's back, and we don't have to go without it till February next year. Absolutely. So sit back, relax, and step down. If I was going to give a final thought, it is to take a deep breath, which I don't say to sound condescending. It's that – The Bears got Justin Fields, and as silly as that sounds, whether he plays this year or not, that means that the arrow is massively pointing in the up direction, almost no matter what happens this year. The Bears have Justin Fields under four years of rookie control, so it doesn't have to be now. And if we go all the way back to when Mitch Trubisky played, we can remember that a rookie who I remember when Mike Glennon was playing terribly, I was one of the many all over like the forums that was saying, we got to put Mitch Trubisky in. You should have seen his accuracy in college. Like he's going to come in. He's going to play so much better than Mike Glennon. And he ended up throwing seven touchdowns, seven interceptions and being a rookie overall. Like, There is plenty to love about Fields' game. And when he comes in, I think the Bears are going to be much more exciting to watch than they are with Andy Dalton. But at the end of the day, the Bears weren't... Maybe they were trying to win the Super Bowl, but they probably aren't going to this specific season. And I think that whatever happens this year, almost win, lose, or tie, can be a building block for next year and years beyond, so long as Fields plays well enough to develop. So... We'll be with you every single step of the way, of course, but whether the Bears get embarrassed against Los Angeles or not starts to look a little bit easier to swallow when you remember that Andy Dalton is not the quarterback of the future. Justin Fields is, and whenever he comes in, we get to see what that future like is going to look like, and I think it's going to be pretty bright. But anyways, guys, that was the podcast this specific Wednesday night. Be sure to check us out every single, it should be Wednesday, like record on Tuesday nights and then go live on Wednesday as far as the podcast recording because we want to try to break down the film. But truth be told, Brandon, Danny, we're all going to have to see what happens when it comes to the All-22 situation on whether or not we're going to actually have anything to break down or whether we're just going to be talking about broadcast footage and clips and so on and so forth but we'll see what happens um as far as things go from here great stuff brandon where can folks find you online find me at b rob nfl uh i'll be i have the props up every single week all season long i plan to produce a lot more content as far as far as football goes um we'll see if my all 22 plug comes through for me but uh, i'm excited for this season guys Danny, how about yourself? Um, am I allowed to plug my other Windy City Gridiron podcast That's thing? the point of it. I mean, I would plug Brandon's work on Windy City if I could, like, drag him there. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so you can find me on the whole Twittering thing if you don't already. Um, at Dan Mian. My last name is spelled M as in Mary, E E H A N as in Nicholas. The numerals nine O after it. And uh, also be on the lookout for it. Might be every week. It probably is going to be more like every week where uh, Jacob and I kind of dig- start digging into the 2022 draft class. Jacob and Fonte. You can follow him at at Jacob and Fonte. Um, and kind of recap some of the players that we followed pretty closely because, and in in the NCAA season last year, um, for the for previous draft class and this coming draft class, and congrats to our colleague Jacob, uh, who just crossed the eleven thousand follower mark on Twitter. You know, I just uh, congrats. I, I hope to one day, I I hope to one day grow up and be like him. absolutely and you can find me on twitter at robert k schmitz that's r-o-b-e-r-t-k-s-c-h-m-i-t-z right here on run pass opinion where i'll be doing as many breakdowns as i can depending on again all 22 and whatever else i can pick out but either way it should be a fun season look it really can't get any worse than it was in 2019 and 2020 and yes i will invoke that voodoo while knocking on this wood right here because those were rough seasons so we'll be right here with you every step of the way bear down and thanks so much for hanging out with us Touchdown at O'Hare, blue and orange on.